My wife and I celebrated 30 years of marriage in November, November 4th. Yeah. And uh, I, I told her, I said, baby, if I die before you do, I want you to bury me in a very special spot. And she said, well, Randy, where's that? I said, well, because I'm so handsome and talented and good looking. You know, uh, well, that's what I thought anyway. She said, where do you want me to bury you? I said, I want you to bury me in the parking lot at the Supercenter Walmart. That way I know you and all four kids will come and see me every single day. <laughs> I want to speak to you for a short time on the topic of being naturally supernatural. Being naturally supernatural. Thank you for coming to church and making God a priority in your life. I believe because you have honored God and took the time to make him a priority in your life, that God will pour out his favor onto you and on your home. And he will pour out his favor and honor to the point that your work will be so much better because you have honored God. Do you believe that? If you believe that, can we clap our hands and just give God, yes, just give him praise. Turn with me to the book of Departures, the book of Exodus, Exodus the fourth chapter. Exodus chapter four. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have the same version, then read it with me off the screen. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us to read it out loud in just a moment. Something happens when we combine as one body and as one family, and we just fill the atmosphere with God's word. So let's go ahead and read out of Exodus, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 1. Ready, read. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Continue. So the Lord said to him, he said a rod or a stick, and he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers. That they may believe that the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. That last line, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is basically saying that they would know the God of yesterday, today, and forever. That the God of the everlasting to everlasting, that he has, brought, he has spoken to you. We live in a world that is interested in the supernatural. They are interested in the spiritual. Not always the holy spiritual, but the spiritual, and there is a difference. It seems that Hollywood is making movies and writing books about the supernatural and because they realize there's a hunger or there's a market that is growing more and more for those type of movies. And they're telling us that the greatest market for the supernatural movies and the books are the early teens around 13 to the age of 30 years old. The millennium generation, generation Z and generation Y. They're longing, they, they have a hunger and a desire for the supernatural. And what blows my mind is at the same time, What's even more amazing is in many places, the church seems to be cold, dead, and dull, and there's no mention of the Holy Spirit power in the lives of the church or its people. Aren't you glad that is not the way it is here? 
Well, you didn't hear me. I said, aren't you glad that is not the way it is here? But in many places across the country, take it from me, I travel, I'll be in different churches every week. We speak 50 weeks a year all across the country, and this church is not normal. Yeah. In fact, you kind of mess with me. I, I got to go to a normal church next week. And I'll expect them to be like you. And they won't be. But that's okay. And as a result, the world is crying out. And they're wanting answers to the difficult questions of life. That really only the power of God through the Holy Spirit and his written word can answer. In the story of Moses, I see several things that I want to emphasize to you. For the Bible tells us that God told Moses, after 40 years of being in the desert, I am ready to use you again. I love that. I am ready to use you again. This should be encouraging to all of us who have experienced a desert or a lonely experience at one time in our life, and we think that the best years are over, and God says, no, 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 in me, it's never over. I'm always ready to use you at different points of your life. And that should be encouraging to you that even though you go through a desert experience, it doesn't mean that God can't use you anymore. And the Lord told Moses through a burning bush, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, friends, please understand this is a two-point directive from God to Moses. First, God is holy. And because he is holy, wherever he is, that place will be holy because he brings it with him. How many understand that? So we're just not talking about a two-by-four piece of real estate. Second, Moses is at a point of reception and ready to listen. He's been 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years in the desert. He has been chased out of his home in Egypt, and he's now at a place of reception and ready to listen. He has come to a place in his life, the place where you are standing, not just the ground, but the place of your, in your life. You are at a point that you need to hear a word from God. You need a directive from God. You need God to give you an, an understanding of what he has planned for you by an upraised hand. How many say, Pastor, that's exactly where I am. The first week of a new year, new decade, I'm ready for God to give me a fresh directive. A new vision, a new call. So literally, all of us, the place in our life where we are standing is holy ground. And God said, I want you to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt, Ramses II. Moses knew that because he's a stepbrother. And by the way, Moses also knew that Ramses and all the Pharaohs thought they were the gods. They thought that they were supernatural gods. And he said, I want you to go to your stepbrother and tell him, let my people go. After 450 years of bondage, the Lord said, you're the man I'm going to use to deliver my people. And Moses says, Lord, why would he believe me? Why would he accept that the God has sent me? And God asks him a question. What is that in your hand? And Moses looks in his hand, and he said, a stick, a rod, it's nothing great or grand. God said to him, throw it down. And the Bible says that Moses 
threw that stick down, and the stick began to turn into a snake. And Moses ran from it. When I read that, I started to laugh because I would run too. Anybody else would run too. Listen, I am fully capable in my masculinity, but when it comes to snakes, they just give me the heebie-jeebies. In Missouri, we have black snakes, you know. They're them long, they, they eat the rats and the mice. And uh, we, we live out in the country. And my father-in-law lives right behind us, and they have 10 acres. And they've got this barn. And, and so I was going out there, and I lifted up the, the door. And my father-in-law was probably, he's 91 now. He was about 80 at the time. And he's sitting on the porch. And there was two snakes, big old black ones. And they opened their mouth like that, and they looked at me. I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I ain't going in there. And I can hear my 80-year-old father-in-law say, what's wrong? Chicken? Yep. <laughs> Not going in. So he walked all the way over, the hero, you know. I haven't lived it down since. And he went and he grabbed those snakes and he threw them. Now he says he wasn't throwing them at me. <laughs> True story. He said I was standing in the door, but it's a large door. And I tell you what, I said, Puerto Ricans don't do snakes. And I was out. So I can imagine when I don't, you know, I'm laughing that Moses ran from this snake. But the Holy Spirit will use the most practical things to teach you the most prophetic truth. And I'm in my office studying and reminiscing about my father-in-law throwing those two snakes at me. And I'm laughing. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you laughing at? I said, well, Lord, that's really funny. Because in my mind, I picture Moses looks like Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments. You know, just a big old hands and a big old, I can imagine him just running away. And the Lord said, no, he wasn't running from the snake. He's running from his calling. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> you see, the snake represents the supernatural in Egypt. And it was going to take a supernatural move of God to bring 2.5 million Jews, roughly the size of the state of Rhode Island, out of bondage. You see, God never does a precocious miracle. Do you think it's an accident he chose the snake? No. He was going to get the attention of the Pharaoh. And snakes represent the supernatural. And Moses is running from his calling. And some of you have camouflaged your calling, and you're trying to cover up your calling, and you're running from it. And you're blaming your calling on your age, or you're blaming your call. I can't do it now, pastor. I'm too old, or I'm too young. I'm, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I, I, I can't, I'm just a single mom, or I just can't do it. I'm working too many hours. And you're running from your calling, and God is not going to let you run from your calling. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is calling you to come back to your calling. And God spoke to him and said, now pick that snake up by the tail. Again, I started to laugh because there ain't no way I'm picking up that snake by the tail. Now, listen, I'm not a snake handler. And I've watched enough Animal Planet to know that you don't grab a snake by the tail. Why? Right, it'll turn around and bite you. And so, again, I'm thinking, Lord, everybody knows you know, especially those of us that live in Missouri, we live in the Ozarks, you know. You all don't have snakes, but you got big rats. You, everybody knows you don't grab a snake by the tail. Lord, why in the world would you have him grab the snake by the tail? 
Everyone knows, Lord, you grab it by the head. And again, the Holy Spirit will use the most practical things to teach you the most amazing truth. And it was a gentle whisper. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just a knowing I had in my heart. As the Holy Spirit said, Randy, I already had my hand directing on the head of the snake the miracle. All he had to do was be obedient and go for a ride and see a miracle. Is there anybody here that says, Lord, you direct it. I'll be obedient. I just want to be a part of a miracle. I just want to see God do something mighty. I just want to be a part of a miracle, Lord. And the reality was God's hand was already guiding it. And God was saying to Moses, if I'm going to use you, you will have to confront your fears. Hear it again. If I'm going to use you, you're going to have to confront your fears. You will have to overcome fear because one of the main things that Satan will try to do to stop God's purpose and God's plan in your life. If you were here last night, you heard me teach on God has given you giftings and abilities to fulfill his purpose and plan in your life. The devil will never steal the gift of God because you get angry and start praying. So he'll come after the purpose and he'll talk you into using your gifting for your own glory, for yourself. And not use it for his glory. And so what happens is, is the devil will bring fear immediately. The very moment you step out to do something mighty for God, the very moment you say, Lord, use me, the very moment you're going to make a stand in your marriage, the very moment you're going to make a stand on your job, the very moment you decide I'm coming out of alcoholism and I'm coming into God. I'm leaving behind all the hurt and pain, and I'm coming into healing. The very moment you make that choice, Satan creates a train of thought, and fear hits you, and suddenly you get thoughts that say, you'll never make it. It won't happen. You'll never succeed. Now understand, Moses is on the run for 40 years because he has killed an Egyptian. And the fear was, at any moment, the Egyptian royal guard is going to come over that mountaintop and they're going to come and get, he's living there in fear. And the Lord is saying, if you're going to be used of me, you're going to have to confront your fears. Tonight, the same thing is true with you and I. Some of you are dealing with fear. But listen, God did not bring a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, peace, and a sound mind. And if you have any fear at all, that's a good sign that the devil is trying to keep you from God's purpose and God's plan. And the devil will try to convince you that God can't use you because of your past mistakes and your choices. Or you're not worthy to be happy or whole because you're divorced or because you did this or you did that. So because you're a divorced person, you don't deserve to have a godly husband or a godly wife. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Well, you didn't hear me. I said, that's a lie from the pits of hell. And God was saying, the only way you can be used by me is to learn to overcome your fear. And that stick that looks so common, that stick that looks so normal, that stick that looks so ordinary, when Moses released it back into the hand of God, it became supernatural. God said, throw it down. Then he said, pick it back up. And the snake turned back into a stick. Suddenly, it, everything went back to normal. Because sometimes all God needs is for you to surrender and give him what he's already given you. Oh, hear it again. Most of the time, all God needs is you to surrender back to him what he's already given you. And God needs 
just an ordinary average thing to do a miracle. In Exodus 14, when Moses was standing on the Red Sea, leading 2.5 million Jews, again, roughly the size of the state of Rhode Island, out of the bondage of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. And the Pharaoh is coming behind them to bring them back into bondage with a massive army. And God tells Moses, all I need is a stick, Moses. Just hold up that stick and I'll part the Red Sea and you walk across on dry ground. Because when God wants to do a miracle, all he needs is an ordinary, average, everyday stick. In Exodus 15 and 16, when Moses is leading them in the desert, and they're heading towards the bitter waters of Marah, and they were thirsting to death, and they hadn't had anything to drink for three to four days, and they reach the oasis of Marah, and they find out that it has gone bitter and poisonous. God said, get a stick off of that tree and put it into the water and the stick will transform the bitter water into sweet water and you'll be able to drink it because when God wants to do a miracle, all he needs is an ordinary, average, everyday stick. In 1 in Kings 17 and 7, when the widow of Zarephath was struggling during the famine and she's about to cook her last meal for her and her son that they might eat their last meal and then die together in the famine. And God brings the prophet over and he tells the prophet, if she is gathering sticks and she offers you a meal, then you go ahead and you take the meal. And when the prophet comes up, she is gathering sticks there and she offers him a meal and she had no idea that that offering she gave to God and she gave it to the prophet, the offering would last her the next three and a half years for God would give her every amount of food she needed overly abundantly above that which she could possibly imagine or think because when God wants to do a miracle, all he needs is an ordinary, average, everyday stick. Because sometimes all God needs is ordinary things. In 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, when the axe head flew off the handle and went into the Jordan River. And the Bible says the sons of the prophets were building a tabernacle and they borrowed an axe. And they ran to their father and said, Dad, we have no way to continue the building. The axe head is at the bottom of the Jordan. They said, go get a stick off of that tree. Break it off and put it into the water. And when they put the stick in the water, the axe head began to swim. It began to rise from the bottom of that river. And the iron swam because sometimes when God wants to do a miracle, all he needs is a simple, ordinary, everyday, average stick. When God wanted to prove that he was God to a barbarian people who were on an isolated island, he said to the Apostle Paul, I want you to gather sticks and build a fire, and I'm going to let these people know that I am God. When God was re ready to redeem the world from the power of sin, he allowed his only begotten son to die on Calvary on two rough old sticks. Because sometimes... When God wants to do a miracle, in fact, I'm going to say every time, when God wants to do a miracle, all he needs is an ordinary, average, everyday stick. An ordinary, average, everyday stick. And that's why the Bible said there is a friend that loves all times and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, we think in order to do the supernatural, we have to be somebody special, somebody wonderful, somebody spiritual, somebody with a reverend before our name, or someone with a huge television ministry, or an email list of hundreds of thousands of people. When God is not looking for that, he's looking 
for ordinary average sticks. All God needs for you to do is exactly what you have to offer. Notice he didn't say to Moses, what do you have in your head? Because the miracle that God wants from you and from me is not dependent on your intellect or the teachings that you receive from the house of Egypt. See, Egypt always represents the world. And remember, Moses was trained under the house of Pharaoh, under the greatest biologists, psychologists, under the greatest doctors and lawyers and military strategists. His ways are not our ways, God says. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Notice he didn't say, Moses, what do you have in your mouth? Because the miracle that God uses or needs from you is not dependent upon your vocabulary or your eloquence. He said, what do you have that I have already given you? In other words, you don't need to produce a miracle out of what you don't have. I'm going to use what I've given you already Wherever you are, I've got a purpose and I've got a plan. I have placed you there in the position where you are for such a time as this, and I'm going to use the giftings I've already given you. You just have to give them back to me. And Moses said, all I have is a simple shepherd's stick. Tonight I've come to tell you, quit thinking you're inadequate. Quit thinking you can't do it. Quit thinking you're too small and the... It's too big, and quit thinking that God can't use you, and God can't bless you. And listen, all God uses most of the time is ordinary, average people. Ordinary, average sticks. And the raw truth is, it wasn't until Moses took what he had and released it back into the hand of God, taking his fingerprints off of it, it wasn't until he gave it back to God that it became supernatural. As long as he had his fingerprints on it, it never became supernatural. But when he released it and put it in the hands of God, suddenly the miracle began to manifest. Because what God wants to do through Bethlehem and individuals in this church is a supernatural move of his presence, and he'll get the glory, not man. That's why he wants it in his hands, in his hands. And nothing has changed in the way God operates. It's been the same ever since the day of Moses. Remember the scripture says in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as he dealt with Moses and used Moses is how he'll use you and me. Just give God what you have already. While sitting in the airport, they announced my name and they asked me to come to the desk there. So I went up and uh, I was sitting in the airport. I was very tired from preaching at a conference, but I was saying, Lord, I want you to give me a divine appointment. Be careful what you ask for. And so I went to the desk, you know, and I was feeling very ordinary. It was early, early in the morning. I was tired. My eyes were stuck together, you know. And, and I said, yes. And they said, are you Randy? I said, yes. They said, sir, we've run out of seats in coach, so we have to bump you up to first class. I said, praise God, I receive it. And they sat me next to a multimillionaire. I know he was a multimillionaire because he told me he was a multimillionaire. <laughs> now, have you ever met someone that just looked like they needed to be slapped? And it's early. And his name was Frank Rosario. And Frank is sitting there. He's a very large man. And he looks at me, and I get claustrophobic in tight spots, you know. And, 
And so I'm all pushed up against the wall, and I'm not a big guy, and he's taking up almost both, both seats. And it's early in the morning, and he's drinking highballs and martinis, and, and he's just having a good old time, and, and he's drunker than a skunk at 5 in the morning. And he looks at me, and he says, yo, I'm Frank. I said, hi, Frank, I'm Randy. He looks at me, and he says, well, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I got 30 people back there sitting in coach. They work for me. And I said, well, that explains why I'm up here, so thanks, Frank. <laughs> he said, I have a computer firm, and I rent the top floor of the Ritz-Carlton in Maui, Hawaii, every year out for my wife and I uh, at Christmas, just for my wife and my kids. I said, wow. He said, I got a Rolex. I said, I got a Timex. I don't know. <laughs> he said, I've sent my kids to all the Ivy League universities. And I'm thinking, I just hope my kids get out of high school. <laughs> no, my boys went to college. And he tells me all the wonderful things he's doing. And remember, I was asking for a divine appointment. And so he said, I've told you what I do. Now you tell me what you do. So I said, well, I am a chief spokesman for the richest Jew in the world. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> he said, what do you really do? I said, well, I'm a minister, and I told him what I do. He said, you're all crooks. About that time, I wanted to lay the Holy Ghost 5 on his forehead. But, you know, I said, no, Lord, I prayed for a divine encounter, and, Lord, you're only going to use what I have, so I give it back to you, God. And so I said, okay, Lord, just you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, just, Lord, Lord, just hurt him. Lord, just. Just take them out, Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, Randy, I want you to answer his questions with peace, courtesy, and long-suffering. Well, it's a long flight. So it was long-suffering. And the moment he found out what I do for a living and how many years I've done it, he started asking me every question about every fallen minister. And he had every theological and doctrinal question about Jonah Really think there was a big old fish? Yeah. How do you know? Well, when I get to heaven, I'll, I'll ask Jonah. He said, what if he's not there? Then I wanted to say, then you ask him. But <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. So I just was. <laughs> oh, y'all mess with me. I tell you right now, you just mess with me. And so, you know, I'm answering his questions with peace, courtesy, and long stuff. And in my spirit, I'm feeling that God is up to something. So I began to pray and said, Lord, use me. Lord, what, whatever I have, I give back to you. Just use me, Lord. Give me the wisdom. I'm saying it in my mind, you know, give me the spirit, Lord, just... Give me words of encouragement, of excellence. A couple minutes go by, and he looks over at me, and something very scary happens. Now, Frank's a very large man. He reaches over, and he grabs my hand. 
I'm thinking, you don't know me like that. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he grabs my hand and he puts it on his chest. And now the te- he's fighting the tears. And he says, you know, I don't think my wife loves me. She's quite a bit younger than me. My kids only call me when they want something. And I'm thinking, yeah. And he said, I've put them through all the Ivy League universities. They only want my money. And he looks at me, and he's, he's holding my hand very, you know, and, and I begin to, I realize that we're at a critical point. So now in my mind, I'm praying, Lord, give me words of encouragement. Lord, Holy Spirit, just begin to flow now. Holy Spirit, do your job. Because the Holy Spirit is the greatest and most sensitive seeker of every man. And he, that is his job, to seek out those who are lost, to flow through you. Literally, I was saying, Lord, I just want to be a stick. I'm an ordinary, average guy at 5 in the morning at 30,000 feet on American Airlines, Lord. This guy doesn't know who I, Lord, I just want to be a stick. Is there anybody else that just wants to be a stick? Just make me a stick, God. And Frank looks over at me and he goes, you know, you irk me. I go, really? He said, yeah, it's not you because you don't have much, I can tell. Okay, no. He said, but there's something around you that's driving me crazy. And he said, this thing around you is making me feel like all I have means nothing, and the little bit you have means everything. Come on, somebody. He says, you're a pastor. I said, yes. And He grabs my hand and puts it on his chest. Now the tears are coming. He says, you know what to do. Now do it. I need help. And immediately I became an ordinary average stick in the hands of the master, became supernatural. And God suddenly began to flood my mind with all the right scriptures. And I walked him down the Roman road. And the Holy Spirit inspired different things to say. He said, how did you know that? And how do you know this? And it's it's God. God just knows. And and God was just giving me all this information. And I led him to Christ. He accepted Jesus at 30,000 feet. That's called being, (laughs) being naturally supernatural. We get off the plane, and he's excited. He's jumping like this. He's going, woo, and he's so excited. You remember when you got saved. He's excited. He's crying. He said, now what? I said, I don't know. I got to go catch another flight. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. I go, Frank, well, where do you live? He said, he told me South Carolina. I asked him the town. He told me. You know, being naturally supernatural, God has every detail. And the moment he told me, It's like the light bulb went off. I said, hey, Frank, I know a church there. He said, you do? And I gave him the name of the church. He goes, dude, we live in a subdivision right behind that church. I said, I want you to go to that church. He said, I can't go to that church. I said, why not? He said, that's the white church. Frank's a man of color. I said, no, that's not the white church. That's the red brick church with the big fountain out front. He goes, no, 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 no. It's where all the white people go. I said, no, Frank, I want you to go there. He said, they won't like me. I said, Frank, listen to me. If if the pastor of that church will let this Puerto Rican sleep in his house, he'll let you go to his church. 
That impressed him more than anything. He said, whoo, you slept in his house. I said, yeah. So he gets all excited. He calls his wife. And I wasn't listening. I really was. But, <laughs> but when you're Puerto Rican, you grow up listening to five different conversations at once. And I'm listening to him, and he tells his wife, <laughs> no, 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 it's not the white church. It's the red brick church with the fountain out front. So he goes, to, we hug, get his number. Several months later, I get a call from the pastor of that church. He goes, hey, bro. I said, hey, what's up? You know Frank? I said, oh, yeah, I know Frank. He says, you know, he came to our church, brought his family. They all got saved. I said, wow, that's awesome. He says, did you know he's a multimillionaire? I said, yeah. He said, he's been a blessing to our church. <laughs> oh, come on now. Being naturally supernatural. God says, just give me what you already have. You don't have to be weird about it. Just be natural. Listen to this all-important truth. Moses, had he not gone through the desert, he would have never been given that stick. As he was traveling through the desert, he picked up the stick, the shepherd's staff. And I want you to understand that many times we go through a season that we call a desert, a difficult time like Frank was going through. And we quit and we give up. And when you do that, you forfeit what God is wanting to put into your hands. You throw your hands in the air and you say, well, I guess God doesn't love me. And you walk away and you do that. You forfeit what God wants to put in your hands. It's when we go through the tough stuff that God equips us with the right stuff that he will use in our life to later bring deliverance to somebody else. Well, you have to pick up, that, rust, you pick up that, that stuff in the rough things of life. God then transforms that into the right stuff. And when you go through the wilderness, we go through the dry places and we don't give up. And every time God will use that trial, he'll use it in the wilderness. He'll put things, something into your hand that you'll use later for his glory. But you have to get through the wilderness. And there are some of you here that you're in the wilderness experience right now. And God says to Moses, okay, now that you've been in the desert and you've been practicing, it's time to go to the big boys now. I want you to go back to Ramses. You know that from the Prince of Egypt, playing with the big boys now. <laughs> You're playing with the big boys. And he walks in there. Moses says, Ramses, let my people go. Ramses says, ain't happening Moses takes that stick and throws it down. It's almost like he says, ha! And the stick turned into a snake. Started slithering around. Moses thought, well, Ramses is going to be impressed. Ramses yawns. And he says, Moses, Moses, Moses. Bring in my enchanters. Bring in my magicians. The Bible says that the magicians came with enchantments. The word enchantment means fire. 
They're not prophets. They're, not, they're just magicians. Magicians use trickery. They use smoke and mirror. They can't produce a miracle, but they can trick you into thinking that they're doing a miracle. One commentator I read, he said that they believed that these magicians had snakes wrapped up in like paper sticks. And when they threw them down, it looked like they did the same miracle. Satan tries to mimic the miracles of God. And it looked like they did the same miracle, but God was whispering in Moses' ear, keep your eyes on the real thing. I've come to tell you, keep your eyes on the real thing. Keep your eyes on the God of heaven, Jehovah God, on the real thing. And all of a sudden, Moses' snake started swallowing up all the other snakes. Moses' snake swallowed up that fake one and that fake one and that fake one. When it all started, there was a lot of wiggling going on. But when it was over, there was just one snake. It started with one snake. It's going to end with one snake. It started with one Lord. It's going to end with one Lord. And Jesus swallowed up Mohammed. He'll swallow every false teaching. He'll swallow up every false doctrine. He'll swallow up the lies of humanism. It started with the Lord. It's going to end with the Lord because Jesus of Nazareth is the King of kings and he's the Lord of of lords and if you believe that clap your hands and praise him that he is in control he's in control don't you know that Moses must have really loved how God used him in front of his family how he just threw him down in front of a whole lot of Egyptians God throws things on the floor and they just don't you love it when God transforms us and uses us in a supernatural way Come on, be honest. Don't you love that when God does that with you? And he gives a, a supernatural success and supernatural victories and supernatural results. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But the greatest part of the miracle was not that the stick became a snake. No, no. The greatest part of the miracle is after God was done with the snake, the snake went back to being a stick. It went back to being ordinary average that's the greatest part of the miracle it went from supernatural to being common the whole miracle wasn't about the snake wiggling on the floor it's about the mighty God that can take an ordinary normal average thing and make it supernatural and the question I have for you is can God take what you have God your talent your gifting your ability use you in a supernatural way can God whisper in your ear on your job and tell you that the somebody who's having lunch next to you they're hurting and suddenly your mind is flooded with a supernatural presence of God and the Holy Spirit that's in you begins to rise up and you're laying hands on them and you're leading them to Christ can God use you in that way and you not get a big head can God use you in a supernatural way and then you be satisfied to go back and be ordinary average can God bless your business because you tithe and you help in missions and you pour out your heart and you support the ministry? And God says, baby, because you're supporting the ministry, I'm going to pour my anointing on you, my honor and my blessing. But can he do that and trust you to stay ordinary? Or do you get a big head and get arrogant and say, look at me. Look what I've done. Do you know why God doesn't do very many miracles in the United States of America? It's because we get intoxicated with the miracle. We get intoxicated with the blessing. 
And can God use you in your office where everybody's calling you sir? And you're walking in, and you're the big man. Can you go back home, be ordinary dad? And be husband? And be the servant to your wife? Be family, be authentic. Oh, we all love it when God puts us on the high stage. But let me tell you, when I go home, I'm just dad. I'm just Randy. Can you be normal? And can you say, Lord, I appreciate all the fanfare, but I just want to be faithful in your hand. Whether you use me as a snake to get a lot of attention or whether I'm putting cones out in the parking lot or whether I'm down in the lobby or, or whether I'm at the other campus, Lord, and there's only 50 people there. Can God use you one Sunday to sing the solo and the power of God falls and people run to the altar and the anointing is great and lives are changing. Woo, it's wonderful. And the next week, Pastor Steve says, now I need you in the nursery. Can you be satisfied to just be an ordinary stick? Friends, sometimes the most supernatural thing you can do is to remain natural. That after he uses you, you don't get a big head. After he uses you, it doesn't change who you are. You started out a stick, ordinary and nobody. It, I'm nothing unless God touches me and uses me. And after he uses me, I'm still nothing. I'm ordinary. I'm average. Listen, I preached my first revival in the shower. Cast the devil off the soap rack. Had a Holy Ghost time, just me and God. And I've often told the Lord, Lord, if that's how it ends up, then that's how it ends up. Just you and me. I know what it is to be in anonymity, and it's okay if you make me that way again. So many people say, God, use me, use me. What they really mean is, Lord, throw me on the ground and let me wiggle around like a supernatural thing and get all the attention. Lord, use me. You, Pastor and I were talking about it today at dinner. We're talking about the different preachers and ministers we've seen over the years. Do you know that God watches how you transition after he uses you? Oh, don't miss it. He watches how you transition. Do you know the reason we have successful ministry here is because he watches how I transition in the airport. And the Holy Spirit's watching. Can I trust you? in my hand, to be used as a tool in my hand for supernatural things, but then you're satisfied to just be a husband, to be the best husband you can possibly be, the best father, to wait on your wife. See, the Moses and the serpent, in Moses' day, the serpent represented the supernatural power. Mark 16 and 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will, mean, it will no means hurt them. Let me explain that to you as we try to close. I want all the musicians to come quickly. The serpent in Moses' day represented the supernatural power of God. And when he picked it up, it did not hurt him. Listen carefully. 
Can God use you to do the supernatural and it not hurt you? Because I've seen God use people to do supernatural things and they had supernatural success and supernatural victories and ministries with supernatural healings and supernatural influence. I've sang on Christian television. We've sang for the inauguration for President Bush and we've seen all these powerful ministries and now I don't see them anymore because they did not transition well. And we can go down the list with Jimmy Swaggart Pastor and I were talking about it today at dinner, the different ministries we've seen that didn't transition well. One of the ministers that turned Jimmy Swaggart in, I won't give his name, he's not gone on to his great reward, he's passed away. But I was sitting with him in Branson, Missouri. Pastor Sam Connolly had him at his church and they were sharing an office together and At one point, the man that turned Jimmy Swaggart in had the most amazing ministry for healing. So many people were healed that they were literally putting up on the wall walkers and wheelchairs, crutches. They would line the walls as a memorial to God. But he allowed pride to sink in. He didn't transition well. And one day, a television host from a Christian television network went to him And he asked him, well, why don't you put us on TV like you do these other guys? And she said, well, because the other guys are better looking and they have better music. And that man looked at me with a tear in his eye and he said, Randy, at that point, something clicked in my heart and I made it my goal in life to destroy Jimmy Swagger. This man who once had a mighty ministry. Walk with God. So many times we hear people say, oh God, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Listen, based on 30 years of ministry and 54 years of walking with God, this is all I've ever known. I'm here to tell you, you can trust God. The question is, can God trust you? Can God trust you to use you in a supernatural way? And then you just say, Lord, I just want to be a stick. Is there anybody here that will raise your hand and say, I just want to be a stick. I want to be used in the hand of God. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands and just say, Lord, use me. Just use me. In fact, I want you to say it out loud. You might be watching me by live stream. Lord, just use me. I've got friends right now watching me at home in Springfield, Missouri. If they were here, they would tell you I'm the most ordinary person you've ever met. When I go home, I still got to clean the garage and take out the trash on Wednesdays. My wife will look at me and she'll say things like, You know, that basket of clothes you still got to put away. How many say, Randy, I want God to come upon me and use me, and I'll know where it comes from, and I'll just pray, and I'll just stay ordinary.
Come on, if that's you, you lift your hands and ask him. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Just ask him. Just ask him right now. Father, I pray right now that your favor would begin to fall in this place. That your children right now at the count of three would begin to move and run to your altar. There are people right now that need healing through from alcoholism and drug addiction. Lord, use us right now to do something supernatural in this place. I want you to lift your voice and welcome the Holy Spirit and create an atmosphere for him right now to do the miraculous. Altar workers, I want you to come and stand right along the front. Altar workers, come. We believe in miracles, but we put our faith in Jesus. I have people that I'm praying for at home. I hope she's watching. Lord, I pray that you would touch Marissa right now. If you have someone that you're praying that needs a supernatural touch from God, I want you to intercede for them right now, right now. Because the power of God and the supernatural power of God has not, is not limited to any miles my, my folks are in Springfield, Missouri. Yours might be here in the Bronx and Queens. Just call their name out right now. Lord, use me right now. Lord, I pray for Marissa. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch her body. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you would touch her mind, that you would bring peace that passes all understanding. Lord, let her know that Carly and I love her and that we're caring for her and we're praying for her, Lord. You call them by name. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Lord, I need to repent because I let pride sneak in. Before I call, I want you to look this way. Everyone look this way. This church is amazing. This, there's nothing like, you're nothing like, that's why I love coming here. But I'm here to bring you a solemn warning, a prophetic warning. You must stay normal. You must stay. Don't get a big head. Let God use you on hope day. Let God use you to lay hands on the sick. Let God use you to lay hands on hurting people and then walk away and give him the glory. Give him the glory. And if you'll do that, God will throw you down and pick you up and throw you down and pick you up and throw you down and pick you up. He'll say, I can use that stick again. He'll use you over and over and over again because he says, I can trust them to use them in a supernatural way.